0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed Aleph in Maseches Yuma. Happy Rosh Chodesh. We'll be starting with the second to last line on Daf Lamed Amad Be'ezer. It says, Amar le Rabbi Yosef. The discussion there had to do with what's called Serech Tevila. There is a Tevila that is, takes place in the uh, Seder Hayom. We're going to be talking about the day of the Kohen Gadol. As he begins his day, his dunks and his washings of his hands and feet. So if the tavila is, the, the serach tvilah is referring to the tevilah that you take, that's not really uh, a that you're uh, doing because you are, as we discussed in Daflamid, because you are Tameh, right? The, the Rice idea is to dunk in a mikvah, and we're going to be seeing where we see the source, we've already seen it, M'sachim and Nervin, the source of the size of 40 sa of a mikvah. But we're going to be talking about now a case where you do the tevila in a mikvah, not because you're Tameh in order to become tahor, as is described in the case of Mitzora and, and the Nida and the Yishayol lettuce and all the Zav and all the cases of Tumas Mase in the, in the Torah, but here the kohen gadol's dunking whether he is tame or not right we're going to be dunking as a ceremonial dunking that's almost like a seracht now when you have this seracht that's really more of a uh, ceremonial the question is do you have to do that when you are t- w- when you are for sure toher or not so here's here's where we uh end up where we ask certain questions regarding this type of tevila so I'm really a so I'm going to read the parentheses here. Yehuda da'amar serach Chotzetz As we arrive at Lamed Aleph, the question there becomes, do you have this din of chatzitzah? As we know, when you do a regular tevila, you cannot have anything between you and the water. Right? Because that's considered a chatzitzah. And it has to be, right, all of your body has to be touching the water when you are dunking normally. That's when you really need to become Tahar. But the question is, would this dunking count if it's really more of a we'll call it a ceremonial dunking, a serach vila? That's not really done for the for the sake of tahara. It's really just done for the sake of dunking. So what would be the case with chatzitza? Can you do the ceremonial dunking in your bathing suit? So amar tikun Right, we know this to be the case for all takanas. Rabbanon, called the Tikkun Rabbanon. Tikkunas de when they are enacted, are intended to be done in the style, in the format, in the same way that the O'Raisas are done. So that, right, it would be weird if all the Tevilas d'orisa you did without any Chatitza, and then all of a sudden you're doing Tevilas de in your bathing suit. Or, right, so that, that's, that is not what we, uh, shoot to do. We shoot to make everything t- consistent. Okay, and therefore the Rabbanans are supposed to look like the arises on purpose. And that is that was Rabbi Yosef's answer. And therefore, part of the Gezerah der Rabbanan as a consequence of that would be to do it uh, and to be Makbinan on in the Tavilos der and the Serach Tevila as well. Okay. So then, Amr Le'eva, Rabbi Yosef, B'eva Miksa Shema So here there's a little bit of a discussion. was discussed it as well. This is the concept that's discussed elsewhere in Shots. Um, the idea of whether when you have a partial entry, as we know, you need to be tahor when you go into the Chatzar. So the question is, what if you don't intend to go into the Chatzar completely? Uh, there are cases, in fact, where that happens, where the Mitsorah gets um, purified, so he's sticking in only his, like, ear and thumb and his, as we'll see, in his toe. Anyway, so when, when you're sticking only part of your body, does that require a tevila or not? So, Amar so Yosef answered, These thumbs of the Metzora that we talked about, that we just mentioned, prove that you need, even for a Bias mixtas, uh, par, even you'll need a tevila for that, because that is, in fact, a partial entrance into the courtyard, Vitanya and yet we have an Abraisa, to that topic, Mitzorah Tovel, the Omid B'Shar Nicanor. We see that the Mitzorah does, in fact, first Tovel, and only then he stands uh, in the Shar Nicanor to put in his hand and foot into the courtyard. In that Shara procedure, he's only going in partially, and yet we see that he has to be Tovel beforehand. What I was saying about Rashi us is that really that Discussion is with regards to the dar elsewhere, and what we're doing here is we're applying it also to the Serach Tvila, as we mentioned, to the Tvila darabanan over here, that that would also be required for a partial B.S. Uh, b- Bemiktas as well. Okay. So now six lines down in Lamad Aleph, Lamad Aleph, where Andrew thought maybe we should start in the first place, and perhaps we'll write, he's right, but let's see, hopefully we'll do Lamad Aleph. Ibailehu. They asked the following question, Yeshiva. A fascinating patent. My our dear friend Yossi Shulman, as you you remember in Israel, he made a patent that you you uh, a knife, a challah knife that cuts six uh, slices at a time. Uh, and then he wants because it's less of a hefsek. He wants the gadolim to say that that's the only knife you can use and uh, and make a killing. But this is a similar patent, but a little different. Instead of that, a very very long knife. What would be the point of a very long knife? Well, if you have a very very long knife. Then let's say a guy he is not comfy with the notion of going to the mikvah, but he still wants to do shechita. So theoretically, could he do shechita with an extraordinarily long knife that allows him to stay in outside of the right, outside of the shechita area on the Khatzer? He stays outside. The knife goes inside, and he manages to do the shechita that way. So that that was the shaila in shiva that day. Can you make this long knife? And Shech that way. Okay. Uh, as Rashi simply says, lift our Ratsma in He wants to get out of this Tvila thing. And Rashi also points out, now the Korban for sure will be okay. In other words, the question is not whether um, the question is not whether the would be kosher, because we know for sure that, that would be that, that, that would be kosher. The only question, and we have rayas for that, we're going to see uh, when we get to Zvachim. But the question is simply whether this individual who does the Shechita is still going to require a tavila. Okay. So the Gemara says you can ask the question according to either Ben Zoma or the Rabanan, where they had a machlokas with regards to this yesterday. What was the machlokas? The following. will remind you Tivayla Ben Zoma, Tivayla Rabbanan, Right? You can. You can ask this according to Ben Zoma. Ben Zoma yesterday said that even if you're tahor, you have to dunk. This was the machlokus within Rabbi Yehuda. In other words, we said, right, that we said that uh, the shita was that um, according to Ben Zoma, libad he was he was machmir. That even if you're tahor, you have to go into the mikveh. It's not it doesn't have to do with whether you are tahor or Tameh. Regardless, you're always going to have to dunk. Or you could ask a who a and they hold their makil. They said in the Braysal yesterday that only the Mitzor, that only a Matsar has to do the uh, actual tevilah but if you're a Tahor person, uh, and that's only because we need to make you Tahor. But if you're actually Tahor, then and we know you're Ta'har and you're not a Matsar and you don't have any of those uh issues, so then we're not gonna make you actually do a Tavila. So, certainly with their, certainly you would think that if they don't make you do a tevila, why would they make this person who's doing a shikhita, do a tevila? So we'll see. The Gemara is going to say, Tiboyle benzoma. So according to benzoma, who makes you do a tevilah even if you're Torah, so you could say, well, of course you have to do a tevila for the Shita, not necessarily, because why? Says the Gemara. Right? In other words, benzoma certainly makes you do a tevila, but that's only if you're going to enter the chazer of a livra'i, lo, livrai means if you stay outside. So, in other in this particular case, when you're shechting with this extra long knife and you're staying outside, so maybe even benzoma is not going to require the tevila. You only, it's going to require if you're entering the chazir. Oh, dilma asileim shuchay, right? This is what the Gemara is doing. It's saying that this shaila is going to be relevant both to benzoma and the rabbinin. So, it's relevant to benzoma because this shaila is going to be does Ben Zoma say that you have to enter, that you have to um, do a tevilah anytime you enter? Or maybe, maybe he would say that even if you don't physically enter the chatzah, the fact that you're using this long knife and you're actually shechting on the inside, maybe we're going to make a gezerah, the so to speak, that you are going to potentially be, right, so involved in your shechita that you're going to ste- end up stepping into the courtyard and therefore we're going to make even this individual with the extra-long knife, do the tevila. So Benzoma has this, would have this uh, shayla. We still don't know whether Benzoma would require the tevila in the case of the extra-long knife. And, and by the same token, you would also have this uh, this issue with the rabbanon as well. As the Gemara says, Ti la Rabbanan, de de that when the rabbanon say, not like Rebihuda, when they say that you only have to do the tevila if you actually... Are, or if you actually have a Tuma reason so we say lo that leniency is only true when you're only just walking into the aval and you're not doing the Avodah but here we you're doing an avoda, lo the Chachamim would not in fact permit him to do the Shechita unless he actually first did Tevila so it's a very interesting uh, Right, The 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 discussion between whether you're the rabbanon or whether you're ben zoma is totally different, but it comes out the same that you're not sure in this case with the extra long knife whether you have to do tevila or not, and it doesn't matter whether you're machmir or mekil. In general, in this particular case, you'd have a Shila. Now, that's the yitz topper was quick to point out, ka avoda. Why is this an avoda? This is the shechita. The shechita is and so what kind of avoda is it? So no, it's, it's it's so so it's a good question. And it's a good question. In other words, the Rishonim asked this question. And the, uh, the answer is that that still, Shita is conster- still considered a voter with respect to this. We went over this on Shabbos. Uh, mm-hmm. It's actually a good question. Andrew, did you notice that the of is Mutter Bazaar, and yet it's one of the things for which we have a lottery? So imagine the scenario that somebody, a coin, wins the Shita in the lottery, and then what? Some czar wants to come over and do the shechita anyway. So I asked everybody, Gross, when would be a case when this, what would happen in a case like that? So Gross said that the shechita is a schus that the Kohen has that he can give to anyone else should he want to do it because it is kasher bizar. Okay. So that is, that is an issue. But, so be that as it may, some may have the uh, question, if it's mutter bizar, is it really considered an avoda? So really, this is, this was a topic already that's old haq from last week when we were talking about chav zayin, chav, ches, chav test, questions of does it have to be in a, a nesina Tama? You know, what really qualifies something as an Navoda, Maybe the fact that it's mutter bizarre, or the fact that it's not during the day. Um, all of these factors that would make something called an Navoda. But you could certainly see how shechit is colloquially called an Navoda. The other thing that we noticed was that in that particular case, uh, why was shechit part of the pious, we asked? This was on Shabbos um, a few days ago. I think it was chafches, and the answer was that even though it's mutter bizar, the shechita is really the tchilas avoda. That was the language used on chafches. In other words, up until then, in a regular case, let's say, uh, of an ola, a- Andrew comes in with a, he wants to, he's a very pious individual as he is, he wants to give over, that's the very first psukim in, in, in Sefer Vayikra. You want to give over the korban. So you're coming in, and you do first Right, the smicha, where you lean on the animal, and then immediately, like techef umiyad, the coin uh, does a shechita, right after the smicha. So we see that's tchilas avoda. In other words, the way the psukim sound is like some Yisrael is coming in, he's bringing in his animal, he does his leaning on the animal, and then boom, come b'nei Aaron, and they jump on the situation, and they immediately start shechting, and they take over. But that shechita is really the transitional point. Like the smicha and the shechita are juxtaposed very close to each other. It's like, uh, right, Yasu. Um Not Kadesh yasu. uh Lass Yasun is what I meant to say. It's Oivar Yasun, like when you make a bracha and then you have to do the maisa right away. So here too, you are doing the smicha and then you have to do the right away. But it's two different people. It's the bal HaKorban, the person who's bringing the animal and then the Kohanim taking over. And so that taking over with the shechita, even though technically it's Muta Bazar, it is also a very big kavod, and it's considered the t'chilas avoda, And for that reason, it's a unique uh, avoda, and we still can see why we retain the status of being called an avoda, and in fact, be considered part of the pious. That's what the Gemara said over there. Okay. So the Gemara now just says, lo odil maloshna, in other words, does it matter? Just finishing off those last words within the sheet of the Rabbanon. Does it matter or not? Right, whether this is uh, being done for avoda, would the rabbanon say that you need to do it? tvila we don't know. The gemara says teiku. This question of the long knife stand unresolved. Is this going to be the first question that uh, that Mashiach answers? I don't know, but we'll hopefully, see you soon. Okay, two dots, twelve lines from the bottom. So now we know that the coin Gadol is going to dip five times. And uh, kiddush here doesn't mean that he goes to, to a kiddush. Don't get excited, Andrew. I know how you like a uh, Fleshic Cholent kiddush this, uh, with sheet with sheet cake and, and um, turkey salad. This is not that. This is the kiddush where you're washing your hands and feet by the kiar. Okay. So the Gemara says "Tner abanam kiddushin tovel yom. Okay, we have the brisa. Five times you dip. 10, right? Uh, sanctifications with the kiar of the hands and feet on Yom Kippur. Very good. So notice there's double the amount of hands and feet. Why would that be? So the answer is, just saying it outside like first, we wash our hands before, we wash our hands before we go into the mikvah and we wash our hands when we emerge from the mikvah. So that's so for each time we go in the mikvah, we're going to be washing our hands twice. But we're going to see that there's a machlok is precisely when we do that and why. So, or let's get into it. So now, says the brace of Echulen Bakodesh Bevesa Parva. All of these, uh, dunking are going to be in the base of Parva. As we discussed, there was the Shar HaMain. Uh, that one was, was near the Beit Aftinas when they made the incense. That was a good one. That smelled great over there. That was one of the residences of the Kohen Gadol during his, uh, quarantine. And during the whole time leading up to the Vodakam Kippur, you might recall he had two apartments. One was the Lishkas Parhedrin, discussed in the first Mishnah. In Vsechashima, that was on the northern end. Uh and then on the southern end, near the base Haft- aftinas, he had another residence near the Hamayim. Now to the uh to the east of that, along the southern wall, there was the base of Parva. Which was near where they skinned the animals. It didn't smell quite as great there. But those were the two rooftop pools. One was Sharmaim and one was Beis So this over here says the Gamar the of Vechulim and Beis Parva. All of the uh, dunkings during the day over there of Yom Kippur were in the Beis Uh that was closer to the action. Chutz Mirishona Shaisa Uh The first dunking, right? He's coming in from the Chol Al Gabe The first dunking he does in what I would consider to be the better rooftop pool, cause just because it smells better, by the base of Nas, near his apartment, as the bracelet continues to say, with Sad Lish Haisa, right? And that, the one, as we already described, and you'll see it in Midos, and we already saw it in this that that Shar pool top, uh, rooftop pool was near the base of Tinas, near where he used to stay, near one of his apartments. Now, interesting. So that first one's in the Chol. That's a little bit complicated. How does he come in from the Chol? What is the chal? Why? Where is he coming from? Where is he going? So the Gemara says, From that, Brysa, we can actually extract the height of the, of the Ein Etam, which was a stream that ran across. Now, interesting. Uh, we get some background here, right? Some historical background. What's historical background? That you were supposed to, Initially, when Hashem uh, told us to build the base HaMikdash, so he said, build it on the highest point in all of Eretz Israel. And sure enough, that is probably the spring, as Art School explains, uh, based on, on Rashi, that that is the Meimiftoah, right? The Tam, We have a Rashi here, Tam. Mimenu, says Rashi, Mimenu ba amasa mayim le base tevilas shah shal ha-chalma. But the feet inyan ha mi cross, near ali, right? So he's giving, again, Rashi and Yuma, Birnbaum says, he's, he's, he, he talks like a friend, like a, like a, like the ravit shaloshuddas. So he says, fi inyan ha mi cross, and the svarm say, near ali, shehume ayan May niftawach. I think it's the mayan may niftawach, amur besefer Yeshua. That's referenced in Navi, in the beginning of Navi, in Yeshua, that there, right, it was the highest, the in all point in all of Israel, okay, the highest point of all of Israel, and he says in Zvachim we learn that the base of Mikdash was supposed to be built actually on the highest point, which would be Ainaytam, okay. And it says Uvein Ksefav Shechein, it makes it seem like Inan Hakol, right, that it's supposed to be Vein so your head is on top of your shoulders, which is the highest point in your body. And the Lashon of Bain Kseifov Shahein was in the Brach of Binyamin that was to reference where the base of Mikdash was going to be, uh, residing. We actually recall, you'll recall that we learned early in the Masechta that Binyamin was upset that Yehuda was actually encroaching on some of the area of the base of Mikdash. Bain Kseifov was supposed to be for Binyamin. And, but be that as it may, for our purposes, uh, Bain Kseifov is... Is an allusion to the fact that it's supposed to be at the highest point. Okay. Now, the, the ain, uh, the, right, so, so the ain etam was the highest point. So Rashi, uh, and, and over there the Gemara and Zvachim discusses how that highest point, good morning, was, in fact, we built just off of the highest point in Yerushalayim in order to allow the ain this high spring, to feed the mikvahs of the base of mikvash. So, anyways, that is what's going on. Um, it's a good thing that we did that. The Gemara's welcome discusses how we were allowed to do that. But it's a good thing that we did that because that allowed a grade, a negative grade of water flow from this highest point of the spring into the mikvahs to feed the mikvahs. So, Amar Baye, this is the Goranowitz Muslim moment, is that Goranowitz, even though the T-Mobile uh, woke him up a little late, he came anyway, in Shakov Goranowitz. Seven lines up from the bottom of the so, we learn from this like this. So, after, with all that background, we now know that the stream was 23 amas off of the ground. When we say the ground, we mean the floor level of the chazir. Uh, wherever the chazir was, the ain atam had to have been 23 amas higher than that, wherever the floor of it was. How do we know? Because we learn in the following. First of all, call up Every opening in the base of was what twenty amos high, as we know from the beginning of Ervin and ten amos wide. Good, not really. A call chutz Ulam, except the Mishnah points out that the Ulam was double that. Right, it was forty amos high and twenty amos wide, but everything else was twenty amos high. Okay, Vitanya, V'Rachatz and we know. Rechaz means that you have to go into the mikvah, the may mikvah, into the mikvah, kol b'soro. Right? Ma'im shekol gufa ola behen. From that, Pasuk, we have a drasha, as we said we were going to say, that you have to totally be, um, totally uh, surrounded by water when you do this dunking. So how much water is necessary to surround the average human body? Amal ama So, an estimate of one ama by... Uh, why, one, one ama by one ama by one ama, and, uh, picture it three ama cubed, right? If you have an ama cube, that's one ama by one ama by one ama, and then you stack, uh, three on top of each other, you'll have one by one by three. That is the human size. There, Rabari, the great dafiomi master, Schlita, talks so about, is that really the human size? Does it mean more? Does it mean less? But that's what it means. Uh, okay, now if you take and we've already done this in Ereven and Adam Sachim so we're not going to go through the math per se uh, you can do that on your own time but if you do the math for the three cubed one by one by one Amas what you're going to end up with when you're talking about the liquid measure is M'shioruchuchamim me mikveh arboim sa that's how you arrive at 40 saw, which is the well known uh, amount minimal amount of size of a mikveh so now that we've arrived at that, we will turn to Lamad Alpha and Bays and we'll say the following Bai Amatikra. Okay. So again, uh, what does that all amount to? The following. The height of the opening was what? 20 amma. And the height of the mikveh has to be three amma. Okay? So that means that the water that's flowing into the mikvah, since we know the water has to come up from a little bit higher. Then the water has to be at least at twenty-three amma. That's where it has to be the etam. Okay, the Ain a'tam. Okay, so now Gemara asks. However, twenty-three amas high won't be enough because you need to have an ama of tikra of the right ceiling, thick ceiling, ve ama ma'aziva, and also a thick pavement. Remember, you're making a rooftop rooftop pool, Geronowitz. You can't just stick it on top of nothing. It's going to seep through. Rooftop pools are not as easy to make as you think. You need to have a lot of cement to make a pool, and you have to make it very, very insulated. And so that's the cement. There's a floor. There's a there's a ceiling reinforcement below. You need a, at least another additional two amas. So why do we say that the that the stream was only twenty three amas off the ground? It should have been twenty five amas to account for this insulation. So the answer is no. Sharm de a mikdash. So now we're our contractors here. We're saying now that these beautiful gates of the base of Mikdash may be rebuilt soon Were made out of marble. And marble is a material that even when thin is very, very strong and it's not porous and it can be an insulator and therefore even a small amount in Mashahu. Uh, of material will be enough to which the Gemara answers ah, but, yeah but you're saying 23 amos you're not accounting for anything you're like account- you're you're acting as if the mik- between the mikvah and the rooftop pool mikvah and the opening below is like a dotted line that's just, uh, ma, it, we're not even accounting for that mashu. To which the Gemara says, no, we're estimating. Anything less than an ama, we're just rounding down, so we didn't count it, but what we really mean is 23 plus a little bit to account for the shayish, for the marble. Okay. So that is the discussion of this Mishnah. Uh, that is the discussion of this mikvah uh, and its construction and where the main etan was. Now, two dots four lines down, parts of southern shobots. And we mentioned in the Mishnah that when the Kohen Gadol was doing all this dressing and undressing, we made a makeshift dressing room which was a bunch of dudes holding up a linen sheet. So the Gemara understands, okay, holding up a linen sheet and giving him privacy, I understand. But says, but my Shobots, why does the dafka have to be linens? So the Gemara answers, Kedama Rav Kahana, This is already, uh, we already, we, we say this a lot. It's not the first time we've said this. Kedama Rav Kahana. Like this is to Rav Kahana was, it's just interesting that Rav Kahana was the one that pointed these things out, and we're quoting it in his name. Okay. Kadem Amar Rav Kahana, like Rav Kahana used to say, Kadeshi Yakir, Shavoda Big Day Boots. So that everyone understand, it's after Memorial Day, Andrew, so we're all waiting, after Memorial Day you wear white. Right? Which isn't, um, the, the firm version of that here is that we're doing the Aboda in linen clothing. In light linen clothing, that's the Aboda Shim Kippur, and so that's the theme. It's, it's, it's like a themed, uh, wedding. Um, Miriam Zuroff's wedding Miriam and David Tyra's older sister uh, God bless you the color of their wedding was aubergine aubergine so that's where I learned that aubergine means eggplant okay anyway the point is that the colors of the Avodah and the Be'es and mikdash is white linens and so that is why we do it keep consistent with that theme here too we want to also recognize that the Avodah is the vig de vutz, and so that's why we use dafka. Those it's a nice, it's a nice core idea to to use the linen sheets. Fine. So now we arrive at the Mishnah on the Alpham Bay's, and the Mishnah is continuing with the Yom Kippur surface and the dunking. Says the Mishnah, Pashat Yared V'Tavol. Korin Gadol is going to get undressed now, and he's going to go into the mikvah. Olav Nistabig. He gets up and he dries himself. Drying yourself. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Rashi says It's an interesting idea Using the towel Coming out of the mikvah, He's wrapping it in an alontis He's got this bathrobe And he's going to And as some of them Farshim explain, This is uh, This is to avoid A chatzitza perhaps Maybe the mayim Would be a chatzitza Between him And the big de'kehuna Remember When you're putting on The big day Kahuna, You don't want it to stick To your body It's not It's not cool you don't want there to be any chatzita of water and dirt. The Big Day Kahuna, too, have to be al so to speak. They have to, right, so you want them to be dry. So anyway, that's the whole issue, this drying that he's doing when he comes out of the mikvah. But be that as it may, he's going to go in, he's going to come out wet, he's going to dry. And then, hevil big day zahav Now they're going to bring him his usual gold getup. He looks even more impressive than avadia Yosef. Right? He's going, to, he has a bunch of gold vestments everywhere. That's what he wears during the year, mind you. That's the 8th Begadim. And so, again, what stage is this? The first clothing that the coin Gadol wears on Yom Kippur, well, before he dunks is his pajamas. His divrei chol. What we'll call his pajamas. So that's his big dechol. Then he's doing the first dunking. And then he's drying. And then he's getting into what? The eight begadim first. That's what he's wearing during the year, those eight begadim. As we will see, right, he's changing out of these eight begadim into the white linen during the year. Mind you, when he goes into the Kaddish kodashim, he has to be wearing the four begadim. That's even holier, right? That's the linen. The white linen clothing is for the purity, right? That is um, signifying the purity. He's walking into the Kaddish kodashim with that. But the Avodah that he does outside of the Kaddish kodashim, he does in his usual, very fancy, big day Zahav, his eight begadim. So he's going to be, he's going to be switching uh, out of these. So, okay. So now, he's switching out of his pajamas. He gets out of the pajamas, goes into the mikvah, comes out, and now he's going to go into the big day Zahav. Okay. Then, Vikide shayadavaraglav, says the Mishnah. Then he's going to wash his hands and feet after he came out of the... So after he put on his clothes, he washes his hands and feet. And then, then he brings the tamid, korban tamid. Then kratzo, as we already mentioned, kratzo means that he shechts the korban tamid. Of course, kratzo is an unusual language, and that's to Im- indicate that he's only doing like a partial shechita, because you know, he ain't got no time for that. He's, he, he's got to start the shechita, and he has somebody else finish it off for him, because while that individual is finishing off, he already has to do all the avodos of the day, so he already has to catch the blood of the very incision that he started to make. So now, Kibel et is Uzrako. He's going to capture that blood in the bowl, and he's going to do the Zrikas Adam. Okay. So then, we just continue. Nichnas lahakter Now he's going into the Heichal, but still he's not going to the Kodesh Kedoshim. This Nichnas is referring to the Heichal. That's where the menorah was. That's where the Shulchan was, right? that's, so he's starting to, that's where the Mizbeach was, so that's where he's going to burn the morning K'tores, that uh, he's going to prepare the lamps for the menorah, and he's going to offer right the the head, it's interesting why he says the head and the limbs, the head is one of the limbs, but it's nice to mention the Rosh, um, fine, so he's mentioning the uh, head and the limbs of the animal, and Right? The carb offerings and the wine libations. Fine. So that is what he's doing. Now, just to get into more detail, the mission now says, Ketor Shal Shachar, Haisekreva ben Dam just talking about the placement, as we'll discuss, of when he's doing the incense. So in the morning, as we know, there's a Taman Shal Shachar and a Taman Shal Bain. So in the Taman Shal Shachar, Haisekreva ben Dam that between the sprinkling of the Dam and the burning of the limbs of the animal, that's when he would do the Kataris in the morning. Shalbein Arbaim, in the afternoon, however, Bein Arbaim, He would do it after the burning of the limbs and before the, the, the pouring of the Nasachim. So we'll see why. This is the part of the mission that we're not going to flesh out yet today. But, we're, but we will see why the Kataris will come before. Right, before the um, Evarim in the Shachar, and after the Evarim in the Benar Bayim. Fine. So now, back to back to our action. If the Kohen Gadol was of a delicate nature, a Rashi had... Uh, a, yeah, either old, or just mefunak as they say. Old, or just, like, really sensitive. Where is this Rashi? I didn't find it. Anyway, it's a good one. Um... Shetafig, oh, no, I don't see. It's not Rashi. Okay. Now, uh, uh, Istinis. I saw Lashon before. Anyways, point is, like you said, that, he, that he's Istinis or old or very uh, very sensitive. Okay. So if Istinis. Give him something. One second. It was okay. I don't see it. All right. So now, Emekon Gadol Istinis, Interesting. Machamim Lochamin. We're going to. Warm up the water for you. Birnbaum freaked out. He's yelling at me at the phone. I had to move the phone away from my ear. Because we learned on the phone, he says, you're going you're to boil water on, on Yom Kippur? He says, no. Rashi explains. Obviously you do it from Arab Yom Kippur. Very interesting. Arabium Kippur is when we boil water for him. So, again, if you have a really old coin, Godel, as would says, that's not going to do well, right? Back in the old Grossingers, we used to have the cold plunge, but it's not for the faint of heart to go from the sauna into the cold plunge. But so, if you're really old, you don't want to do that. You don't want to shock him. So, therefore, as Rashi says, Shetafig. <laughs> Right, k'deisha tafik finishing the Mishnah. Umatilin la atzonim. You pour this hot water into the cold water, k'deisha tafik tinaasan. Right, so that the mikveh water will lose its chill. So Rashi, um, first of all, explains that the water, first of all, obviously is not boiled on Shabbos or Yom Kippur. It's boiled before Yom Kippur. Oh, yeah, like the chakak is, is referring to some sort of thermal right uh thermos that's going to keep it warm and then tafiq rashid said um points out laamir miyazi naso bemiktas bermam thought bemiktas was significant because it means right obviously if it was pure boiling water there may be some bishul issues here it's just to take out some of the sting of the chill in order to make the them more comfortable fine so now we're going to go through the Gemara here amru Rabban kamida papa an interesting discussion between the ban and or papa with regards to the tavila as we pointed out Right? Our Mishnah, you may have noticed, has, uh, we had said that there's five Tevilos and ten times that you're washing your hands and feet. Now, that's two washing of hands and feet for every time you dunk. Okay. Now, there is a, there is a discussion here because our Mishnah points out that first he's tovel, That's the first thing it says. And then he comes out and then he washes his hand. Right? In other words, our Mishnah, the first line of our Mishnah is he undresses, he goes into the Mikvah, comes out, dries off, gets dressed and then washes his hands and feet. So the question is did he wash his hands and feet before he dunked? When did he wash? What's going on? It looks like he's only doing it once. So this was a discussion between the Rabbana and Rav Papa. Okay, so the discussion was as follows. Amru Rabbana Kamed Rav Papa Ha Deloka Rabbi Meir This can't be Lefeb Rabbi Meir. The E mayor. Meir came the armor tranki duche alvisha held that the Kohen Gadol does two right hand and feet washings for every time he puts on every set of clothing so if that were the case al of alvisha so when the kain Gadol right, is puts on his first clothing the eight bagadum that we mentioned he should be washing his hands before and washing his hands after Yet our Mishnah says that he only washes his hands after that was the discussion because okay so Amelahu Rav Papa Rav Papa the great peacemaker who we love so much is going to actually try to make Rabbi Me- this Mishnah uh, also fit within Rabbi Meir. Incredibly, he said to his Talmudim, "Bein Raban and bein Rabbi Meir, Chad Apshita the Big Day Kodesh, vechad Alavisha." <laughs> that one. Right. So what he's explaining now is why even Rabbi Meir would say that our Mishnah w- is why Rabbi Meir would even agree with our Mishnah that in the case of the very first Tavila, you're only going to be right washing your hands after you get dressed. Why? Because Rabbi Meir holds, like the Rabbanan, that even Rabbi Meir, who holds that you wash your hands uh, and feet twice. He's going to say one is for the taking off the Big Day Kodesh and one is for the putting on of the Big Day Kodesh. Get it? In other words, when you take off the Big Day Kodesh, you wash your hands. When you put on the new Big Day Kodesh, you wash your hands again. That's Shitas Rameya. But what's different in our case? In our case, the big the, the Begadim that he's taking off in preparation for the very first Tavila are not his Big Day Kodesh. They're his Batman pajamas. Okay, so therefore the Big Day chol that he's taking off are not Kodesh, and even Rabbi Meir would say that you don't have to wash your hands for it. He would agree in that very first Tevila that you only wash your hands in preparation for the first, uh, for, the, for the dawning of the first Big Day Kodesh. Okay, and so, and now, not only, not only does uh, Rav Papa have an, this, this Pshetl, right, but he even has a source. He gets detailed. He says, now he gives you even the lumdis. That's a machlokas on how to read the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, So clearly the, the, the Pasuk says, right, take your take your clothes off and then wash and then get dressed. So Rabbi Meir Savar says Rav Papa, Makish Psita That taking off your clothes is like is 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 compared to putting on your clothes in the following way. That just like when you take off, uh, just like when you put your clothes on and then you wash your hands, so too, when you take your clothes off, then you wash your hands. Right? What this means is that he's saying it, it becomes significant because according to, what happens is that according to Rabbi Meir, if you're washing your hands when you take off your clothes and then washing your hands after you put on your clothes, it means the following. You take off, the Kohen takes off his clothes, then when he's unclothed, He's washing his hands, so to speak, as the ceremony, we'll call it, of taking off his clothes. And then he puts on his, and then he has a washing, a hand washing for the ceremony of putting on your clothes. This is why there's a Havamina that we're not like Rabbi Meir, because in Rabbi Meir, he's taking off his clothes. And then he's getting dressed, he's taking off his clothes, going in the mikveh, getting dried off, and then getting dressed, and then washing his hands. Why did he not wash his hands for taking off his clothes if it is in accordance also with Rabbi Meir? So what Repubba is saying is that he's, take, he's washing his hands after taking off his clothes, but it's tied into taking off big day Kodesh. That's what Rapapa is trying to say, and he's reading that into the, the, the drasha of the Pasuk. The Rabbanan have it easier. The Rabbanan sa'afri makish p'shita now, this is something that both Rabbi Meir and Rebbe both agree. They both agree that the taking off the clothes and putting on your clothes are compared to each other. It's just that Rebbe Mayer is going to say that just, when you take off, just as when you take off your, uh, right, when, after you put on your clothes, you're going to wash your hands, so too after you take off your clothes, you're going to wash your hands again. That's how he comes to two. Rebbe say that the comparison between taking it off and putting it on is different. As follows. The only comparison, according to the Rabbanan, is that you are doing this washing when you are clothed, right? So, just like when you are clothed, when you put on the clothes, you wash your hands, so too, when you wash your hands a second time in anticipation of, right, taking the clothes off, you are doing so with your clothes on, right? That ends up being a fundamental difference between Rabbanon and Rabbi Meir in terms of how it looks. When you look at the avoda. according to a mayor, washing your hands when you're unclothed. According to the Rabbanon, you're only washing your hands while you're wearing the clothes, whether it is in anticipation of taking them off or after having taken them on. That's the heckish between Levisha and Peshitta that you're washing your hands clothed. Okay, so that's a lambdus that Rapapa has for the shita of Rabbi Meir, uh, for, for the shita of the machlokas between Rebbe Meir and the Rabbanon, so Papa gives the whole shear, and he explains how our Mishnah could even work according to Rabbi Meir. However, the, the Talmidim were ready for him with the following piece of information: Can you say this? Uh oh, we have a brisa. The brisa is explicit. The brisa says, "Parsha sodin shelbots no vena am." Uh, as it sounds a lot like our Mishnah, but it's more detailed. It says, when the Kohen Gadol was changing, they made a makeshift changing room by Kohanim holding on this linen sheet. Then Pashat Viyard Vitaval, so far so good. He's taking off his his Big De he's going in the mikvah, all of an he's stopping, he gets up, he dries off, Hivilo Big lava. he's putting on the Shemana B'Gadim. Good, 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 and he's washing his hands. That's exactly like our Mishnah. Repopah would say, Reb would agree with this, Rabbi Meir would agree with this. However, this brysa contradicts that because it says Rabbi Meir would disagree because the hemshech of the brysa says as follows, Rabbi Meir argues, Rabbi Meir Omer, Pashat V'Ki Dei Shodah he inserts a detail that after he takes off his clothes, Kishitoso, Kedarka HaKadosh, Rabbi Meir, according to his shita, is going to say that he's going to wash his hands and feet again right after taking off his clothes, Yard V'tavl, and then, only then, after he has washed his hands and feet in a state of unclothed, uh, in an unclothed state, he only then does he go into the mikveh, all of he's stopping, and then he goes up and he dries, and then if you have a big days of, as is the sheet of our mayor, he's going to now wash his hands and feet a second time. So once that brysa was brought up by the Tamidim of Rabbi Me- of, of uh, Rabbi Papa, Rabbi Papa uh, to his credit, not only did he always want to make shalom, but when the Talmidim had a good point, and they brought up a brisa, as we've said in the past. Not all the Tanaim were aware, they were all aware of all the Mishnais. They were not necessarily aware of all of the brisas. Those Tanayik, uh pieces of information that didn't make it into the Mishnah were really balpeh, and some of them were not um, uh, available to everyone, and so Repoppa was not aware of that brisa, and therefore, lahu, tanya, tanya listen, if you found that brisa, then I'm, then my goose is cooked. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. That b'risa says, after all, uh, right to his credit, he's given a whole shear how our Mishnah could fit according to Rabbi Mayer, but we found the Bryce said, in fact our Mishnah is not according to Rabbi Mayer, and he says, okay, so if that's the source, so that's the source, must be that, uh, that I'm gonna, that that shear, you know, is, is a good lumbus to learn, but it's not halachalam Isa, because in fact our Mayer would in fact hold that there's that extra, um, Kiddush Yadimberg Lime, even in the first immersion. And so when do we start today? Six ten? Okay, so we stop here um and we'll continue tomorrow with Bish Limerby Meir, the last line on Lamidalf on the Days.